You're listening to the sermon audio from the Shore Church located in North Vancouver. For more information about the Shore, upcoming events, or to donate, you can head to www.theshorechurch.ca. Well, as the kids uh, head out, um, we're actually going to be talking a little bit about this uh, when it comes to the message um, in Hebrews 4. Uh, but part of the message is Jesus' sympathy. And so I want to talk a little bit about that when we get into the text. But before I get into that text, there is a couple in a family that we, we've been walking with for some time here at this gathering. Not, they're not here today, um, but we've been walking with them. A lot of you ladies have been praying for them. Uh, it's Jared and Christy McGregor. And this is just a little message um, that we've been talking back and forth with them. But they would appreciate continued prayer. Uh, They said goodbye to their little baby, Chloe, at 21 weeks in utero, who went to be with Jesus on Thursday. So we want to pray as a family, as a a church body. Uh, Pray for their parents, Jared and Christy, also their daughter, Kenzie, as they process this amazing loss. And so why don't we stand together just as a church body. Remember Jared and Christy, new to this body actually, they're a new couple to this this church. They, they desire to be here regularly, but they've been battling this kind of in private for some time now. <clears throat> but they have been open to want to share this with you and uh, then we might pray along with them. So let's bow our heads together. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for your promises of salvation. And we see in the, in the text of Scripture in different parts that even in the story of David losing a son, uh, that he was sure that he would see him again. And so we hold on to that promise, Lord, that you um, will comfort those little ones that have taken early and that we will get to meet them for the first time in glory. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your provision. And I thank you for Jared and Christy that they trust in you, that you've empowered them in this this season, this really hard, difficult season. And Lord, as a body, as a church family together, we just want to pray, um, intercede alongside you, Jesus, uh, for them. Uh, for their new, for just new hope and trust in you and, and, and comfort in you and, and peace in you that surpasses understanding. And so we just pray also for the safety you've given Christy in this time, uh, for her body uh, as she went through this difficult season. And thank you for Jared and being a great husband alongside and caring for her. And for little Kenzie, I just pray for her heart too. Uh, I thank you for the grace you've given this family to know and to trust in you during this season and and put all their hope in you. And I pray that you'll continue to comfort them and that we as a family will welcome them uh, as they come back into uh, fellowship with us. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, you can grab a... Why don't you stay standing? We're going to... Take a deep breath in and read Hebrews chapter 4. 
uh, verses 14 to 16. We've got three verses on the docket this morning. Uh, and unlike that announcement, uh, the, the beauty of that announcement is the grace that we, that we receive and the, and the glory that uh, we will one day meet Jesus face to face. Um, and this is one of those kind of texts is, is uh, really uh, filled with joy. So let's read it together. It's on the screen. It says this. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. This is the word of God. Now you may be seated. Let me pray uh, as we jump in to this text. Jesus, we thank you once again for who you are, for your glory, for your grace, for your mercy, for your steadfastness, for your purity, for your sympathy, um, for you being our great high priest, for uh, how you intercede for us. Lord, you're, you are so amazing. And so help us see your amazingness today as we unpack this, this short text of Scripture this morning that we might walk out of here uh, with great joy and a peace that surpasses all things and uh, that we will rest in the comfort that you supply. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, this text this morning, like I've said multiple times, is an amazing text. It's an amazing text as you've read it. Um, uh, maybe, maybe you realize for the first time how amazing Jesus is in this text. Uh, we're going to see it over and over again um, uh, as we w- unpack this. But my, my, my wish for you, my, my, uh, I guess my pursuit of preparing this text for this morning is that you would walk out of here just overwhelmed with the joy of who Jesus is. Not who you are. Like, even though you're really special people, I love each one of you, uh, but how, how amazing Jesus is. Like, the, the outline this morning is this. Like, you can see it on the screen. It's hold our confession of Jesus. Jesus is our sympathetic high priest. Draw near to Jesus. I, I try to edit my outlines actually uh, with either one word or something that's memorable for you. I, I actually spend quite a bit of time trying to figure out an outline that you're going to hold on to. Uh, and, and this week, it, it was at one point, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And I don't know if that would have been good for you. <laughs> You'd probably forget about uh, by Wednesday, like maybe, maybe even by Sunday afternoon, uh, what was under each one of those points, but I'm hoping that you'll hold on to these. And I've used specific wording because the words are right there in our text. Like the first one is confession. It's right there in verse 14. The second one is sympathetic, right there in 15. And in 16, it is calling us to draw near. And so confession, sympathetic, draw near. So may we remember these as we walk through this text together and throughout the week. We strive to become more like Jesus. So let's take a look at that number one, that verse 14. It's actually on your bulletins. If you didn't get one of these, uh, there's all kinds of reasons why we print these. 
All right. One of the reasons is right here we have prayer request sign that you can literally rip off that and drop it into the box back there, the give box, soon to be a prayer give box. Uh, we just haven't made the, the prayer sign yet. But literally rip that off, write a request and drop it in there because we would love to be praying for you. The other reason we have this is to get to know one another. There's birthdays on here that, that are coming up. Robert Jackson, happy birthday tomorrow, right? You got a card in the mail, all right? So there's, there's cards that I write for each one of the people. So we want to know who you are. And this is the beauty of Jesus. The, like we want to know who you are and he wants to know who you are. He is our great high priest and then we're going to get to this so look at verse 14 and hold our confession of jesus and you can see it on the back there we've got it outlined on the back there as well on the bulletin and we'll get to that soon but verse 14 again it says this since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens jesus the son of god let us hold fast our confession this this verse is so jam-packed we we have to see it and we, let me unpack first the descriptors, and, but there's a big umbrella over these descriptors. And the big umbrella is hold fast to your confession. Hold fast to what you have confessed. And so what have you confessed? There's three things in this verse. That he is the great high priest, that he has passed through the heavens, and that he is the son of God. Those are good. This verse is so jam-packed, so sweet. Hold on to your confession of faith. Jesus is your great high priest. He has passed through the heavens for you. And he is the son of God. Like this verse is on here as your memory verse this week. I'm not sure if you've noticed that. You have memory verses every single week. I, maybe I should start a star program. Maybe we'll start memorizing verses. But this one is such a sweet verse. So let's unpack these three things. Great high priest, passed through the heavens, and son of God. So the first one, Jesus is our great high priest. See, Jesus is not only a high priest, but a great high priest. You'll not see this anywhere other outside of Scripture, that every, there's, every high priest is just named as high priest. Jesus is the only one that's given this title, great. The great high priest. And we see it multiple times in the book of Hebrews. But Jesus is not any high priest. He is the great high priest. And we will hit this a bit more in the coming weeks as we go through the text of Hebrews. I'd spend a lot of time on this priesthood, and we're, we're starting to jump into it here. And this is a switch here. Even in our text of Scripture, you can see it maybe on your Bibles. And there's a highlighted pl place there. It says, Jesus, the great high priest. And then it starts reading, and there's a, there's a switch here that the author is giving us. But the priests of the Old Testament were those set apart. The priests of the Old Testament, there are lots of high priests in the Old Testament all through the history of Israel. And there are set apart ones. There were chosen people, specifically from the tribe of Levi, and were given special tasks when it came to worship and sacrifice. They were given a special task. They were set apart for these tasks. And one of those tasks, uh, the, one of the special tasks given to the high priest was the task to enter into the Holy of Holies once a year known as Yom Kippur, or the Day of Atonement. The Day of Atonement. And before they entered, they had all kinds of things to do before entering. One of these duties was to sacrifice an animal for themselves. To purify themselves, because they too were sinners. They needed purification. Blood sacrifice, blood was a covering 
of sin. There's a representation. See, they had to enter by the blood of a lamb. And if they didn't, they would be struck down by God for entering into a holy of holies because of impurity. See, those are the high priests. Now, Jesus, on the other hand, is the great high priest. He didn't just enter into a man-made temple. He entered into the temple with God the Father sitting on the throne. And he entered with the blood shed, not of an animal, his own blood. Purity, like unadulterated purity for the people and for himself. Like he is the great high priest. He entered in not just to a type of the man-made temple, but the anti-type, the perfect holy of holies where God the Father rested on the throne. See, church, this is the greatest high priest. Amen? He's the greatest high priest. He's He's the one that did this for us, for you and I. That's what the high priest would do in the Old Testament. He did it for the people. And he had to do it for himself. Jesus did it for himself and all the people. And we see this throughout the text of of Hebrews. Looking back in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9, it says this. But we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, entering into the realm of death, putting flesh and blood on, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death. This is the sacrifice so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. Then in 2.17, it says, Therefore he had to be made like his brothers in every respect. He had to become man in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make a propitiation for the sins of the people. He had to do this for us. And then in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle, the set-apart one, and high priest of our confession, who is faithful to him, who appointed him. Jesus is the faithful, the greatest high priest, who put on flesh and blood, who paid the penalty and became the sacrifice for us all, placing himself on the altar for us. The theologian Matthew Henry said it this way, Christ executed one part of his priesthood on earth. Executed one part of his priesthood on earth, dying for us. The other he executes in heaven by pleading the cause and presenting the offerings of his people. This is the second portion. Jesus is the great high priest priest, and he passed through the heavens for us. This is point, essentially, B under number one. Pass through the heavens. Jesus, in his steadfast and unparalleled love, intercedes for us to the Father. He makes a way for us. He restores, atones, pays for, redeems us to holiness. Like, what a great high priest. He passed through the heavens. He enters into the realm of death to put on flesh and blood so that he can pay for his people. For you and I. Like we have a hard time driving 15 minutes sometimes to go and help people. Right? Sometimes even in the home. Like doing laundry. 
or doing the dishes or vacuuming because it's not my job or saying thank you to the cook of the home or far be it from opening the door at the mall for someone or letting someone cut in front of you in traffic. We have a hard time passing through North Vancouver for the sake of another. Friends, Jesus passed through the heavens for you and I. It's unbelievable. May we, friends, be a willing people to pass through North Vancouver for the sake of another. May we be a people that would maybe be uncomfortable, maybe be willing to be shamed, maybe ridiculed for the sake of spreading the good news of Jesus. To have the conversation at the park or at work or in our neighborhood or with our family. Because we actually believe that Jesus is our great high priest. That we actually believe that he passed through the heavens for you and I. We believe it so much so that we would actually share it with someone. See, that you believe that he has passed through the heavens for you. That you can't help but share it to another. 1 John 2, 1 says, My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. This is Jesus passing through the heavens for you and I. He is an advocate for us. He is our hope, our peace, the two candles represented here at the table. He is our hope. He is our true hope, our true peace. He is an, our advocate and our intercessor that goes to the Father for the sake of you and I. Like, this is, when you start thinking about this, this is Jesus who died on the cross for you and I and he intercedes for you and, and I every day. It's, it's amazing. This is our great high priest. This is who we put our hope in and our trust in, the living God. And that moves us to see the Son of God. So we have the great high priest. Why we hold on to our confession, the umbrella, is the great high priest he has passed through the heavens. And third one, he is the son of God. Last week, we talked about Jesus as the owner, the owner of all things and the creator of all things. And if you flip back to chapter one and remember from what I preached on in chapter one, he is the supreme over all things. Cosmic supremacy, right? Angelic supremacy, prophetic supremacy, and here we're going to start unpacking, the author is going to start unpacking the Levitical supremacy. That he is the perfect priest. He is the great high priest. He is like no other. This is why we hold our confession. Because he is the great high priest. Because he has passed through the heavens for my sake. Shed his blood for my sake. Shed his blood for you. And he is the son of God. This is why we hold our confession. Secondly, in verse 15, Jesus is our sympathetic high priest. In verse 15, it says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize, there's our word, with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect 
has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Now, first verse, verse 14, we saw three things. Umbrella, three things. Here we see two things. Sympathy and purity. Sympathy and purity. This is who Jesus is. He's sympathetic and he's perfectly pure. Right? Okay, let's talk about sympathy for a moment. So, uh, you've heard the word empathy and sympathy. Don't mix them up. Empathy is understanding pain. All right, we can even just praying for Jared and Christy. We can empathize with them. But there's few in this room that actually can sympathize with them. They can understand exactly what they're going through. See, empathy is one of those things is a really good quality to be empathetic. It's sensing someone's emotional state to understand the pain, having a realization that someone is hurting. And you can do this by reading body language, watching the tears flow. You can see something's going on in this individual's life and you can be empathetic towards them. You can listen to what they're saying and hear and be empathetic to what they're saying towards their pain and their hurt. These are just three simple ways to notice those around you, to watching the body language, to seeing the emotional things that are coming outside of them, and to listen to the words. Now, sympathy is to enter into the pain. Very different. It's to enter into the pain, to identify the hurt and actually relate to it. So empathy would see the tears. Sympathy would cry along with them to be broken over what they're broken, to feel the pain deeply in their soul as if it was going on in their own bodies. See, this is something we can all work at. We all have the ability to be sympathetic. But there are moments that we have complete failure, aren't there? Like, complete failure. I'll give you two examples of me. Like, when I was in high school, there was this girl that came up to me and she was broken completely broken over a boyfriend that just broke up with her. And she shares all this stuff with her. And I happened to have a, a bag of French fries, McDonald's French fries. And she shares this broken relationship with me. And all I did was go, do you want a fry? It was like the worst thing. Thank you, honey, for laughing. It's the worst thing I could have done. It was like, oh my goodness. Like how lacking was I? in sympathy and empathy in that moment. I recognized the pain, but there's zero sympathy. I was like, fry? It was terrible. Another example was when, two, when I was doing youth ministry, two girls run up to me and go, do dogs go to heaven when they die? And quickly I just go, no, they don't. One girl runs away and the other girl her dog just died and then ran after her. It was like the worst moment of ministry that I could have ever done. And as they're running away from me, I'm just going, that was a bad move. I need to work on empathy and sympathy towards individuals that come towards me. Now, you can probably think of areas in your life that you've done the same thing. I'm sure all of you have some moment in time that you just did not act in an appropriate way when something came towards you. We're not alone, just so you know. We're not alone. Like in 1 Samuel chapter 1, 
There's an amazing story. I read this a couple months ago. It was going through my reading plan, and I came to the book of First Samuel. And right at the book of First Samuel, you'll know and remember Eli as a priest and Hannah coming to the, the temple to pray. And she was broken. She was, she was weeping, broken over years of not being able to be pregnant. And she comes into the temple and just starts weeping and praying in her head, but her mouth was moving. And Eli's sitting there by the temple and sees this lady crying, and her mouth is moving, but she's not saying any words. And he goes over to her and goes, get away here, drunk woman. And she looks at him and goes, I'm not drunk, I'm praying for a child. That's the worst pastor moment you could ever have in that moment. It's like Eli definitely recovered from there, blessed her, but it was like the worst beginning of a pastoral moment. Lack of sympathy. It's actually in different areas of Scripture. See, now Jesus' sympathy is off the charts. And it's not off the charts, and hear me on this, it's not off the charts because he's God. It's off the charts because he is fully man. Let me explain this. Look back at Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 again. It says, Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, Jesus himself likewise partook of the same things. He entered in sympathetically into his creation and knows intimately what it is to be man. In verse 17 of that same chapter, it says, Therefore he, Jesus, had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that Jesus, he, might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. He entered in. He understands exactly what we go through. Jesus became man to be able to pray for our sins, but also so that he might sympathize with us in our temptation. And if we flip forward a little bit to chapter 5, verse 2, which we'll hit next week, let me, it's not on the screen, but let me read verses 1 and 2 of next week. It says, For every high priest, so it's talking about the high priest now, chosen from among men, is appointed to act on behalf of men. This is what the high priest is to do. To act on behalf of men in relation to God. So he's essentially the intermediator between man and God, the high priest. What a role that is. In relation to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. So to shed the blood, to take the sacrifice for the act of worship. And then in verse 2 it says, He can deal gently with the ignorant and wayward since he himself is beset with weaknesses. So he can deal with all those things because of those weaknesses. Jesus entered into fully manhood so that he could deal gently with you and I. This is the, the, why he became man, so that not only could he propitiate to be our substitute and to atone for our sin, but he entered in so that he might know us deeply. Again, he's the greatest high priest. And he's doing all this, friends. Like I was reminded as I was studying this, as he, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1, it says... Be imitators of God. Now, 
we need to read our Bibles really slow at times, and that's a really slow verse that we need to read. Be imitators of God. That means, like, do what God is doing. Well, that's difficult. Be imitators of His character. Be imitators of His sympathy. Be imitators of His grace. Be imitators of His mercy. Be imitators of His steadfast love. This is what we are called to do. Like, it's all throughout the Scripture. So as we see the grace and humility of Jesus as he passed through the heavens to put skin on so that he might sympathize with us. So that when we drive through North Vancouver, then we might actually be sympathetic, be imitators of God in that car towards other people. When we walk through the busyness of the mall during Christmas, when we walk into our friends and our neighbors and, and, our, and just be gracious and merciful to one another, like this is difficult, a difficult task to imitate God. But this is exactly what we're called to do. So may we, church, be, do the same. Or at least make the effort daily to get better at this. Like we should be striving daily to become more like Jesus. This is the road of sanctification. It's not an easy one. It's, it means every day I got to set aside what I want for the sake of another. Because that's what Jesus did. So I'm, I'm going to imitate him in this. I'm going to lay down my life for the people. I'm going to lay down my life for my neighbor. I'm going to lay my life down for my friend. I'm going to lay my life down for fill in the blank. This is a massive task. So we are called to effort doing this daily. And this is like when it comes to the church, I want to raise up men and women that follow Jesus with all of their heart, with all of their soul, with all their, their flesh and their, their strength, everything in you. And that's what I want us to do as a church. Like if this is the family meeting around the table, this is what I want for us. That we become more like him every single day. That we strive for it. And that means coming and fellowshipping. And part of that is praying at 9.15 and, and entering into worship and praising Jesus and, and seeing what, what, ne what needs to get fixed. What, need, what can be helped? What, how can I help in this? Like we have a group of people I just want to praise and, and honor them. But Alistair and Mike are sitting in the front row here. They're here usually every Sunday and they're not asking for this ever. Ever. But these guys are here from like 7 o'clock usually until the last person leaves. Every Sunday. It's amazing. Servants of the Lord. To, to, to set this up for you. That's sweet. And, and we should, we, let's all participate in this. Let's all want this. Let's all, let, how can I help? And we'll never turn you away. Right? It just means more time afterwards to fellowship and drink happy juice, which is coffee. I think that's what it's called. We call it happy juice. But it would be so great to have just this celebration of all the things that Jesus did because he's our great high priest. He's passed through the heavens. Right? He's the son of God. 
and he's sympathetic that we might enter into one another's life. And again, he is purity. He is purity. Again, one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Jesus' sympathy is his entering into our story is, like I said, off the charts. Jesus has truly entered into our story and knows temptation in a way that we cannot fully grasp. Now, this is a hard concept to get. It's a hard one. This, this took me years to, to, to wrap my head around. But I think C.S. Lewis does a great job in this quote. It's a long one. It takes up the whole screen. So I'm going to read it slow so we don't miss it. So again, let me read this. Jesus has truly entered into our story and knows temptation in a way we cannot fully grasp. So let me read this quote. It says, A silly idea is current that good people do not know what temptation means. Like if you're good, you actually don't know what temptation means. That's a silly idea. This is an obvious lie. Only those who try to resist temptation know how strong it is. After all, you find out the strength of the German army by fighting against it, right? That's how you know how strong they are. By fighting, not by giving in. You find out the strength of a wind by trying to walk against it, not by lying down. And a man who gives in to temptation after five minutes simply does not know what it would have been like an hour later. That is why bad people, in one sense, know very little about badness. They have lived a sheltered life by always giving in. We never find out the strength of the evil impulse inside us until we try to fight it. And Christ, because he is the only man who never yielded to temptation, is also the only man who knows to the full what temptation means, the only complete realist. Such a great quote. He knows temptation more than we will ever understand because we've all at one time given in. Jesus loves his Father loves the triune relationship of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, together as one. And I'm assuming that one of his perseverance motives, one of his endurance, how do I endure through this temptation, is to find an anchor that will not break. And one of those anchors in the script is the Scripture for us. That's what we read last week is the Word and the Lord. We don't want to mess with the Word and the Lord and we can't separate them. That's an anchor for me in a ways. Why, why not this temptation? Because the Word and the Lord. And I would assume that Jesus is the same. He doesn't want to break the relationship between the God, the Father, and the Holy Spirit. And I can't imagine how that would go if he submitted to temptation. It'd probably blow up our world. It's actually impossible for him to do this. Like it's impossible. We'll see this later on in Hebrews, but it's impossible for him to lie. It's impossible for him to actually sin. That's outside of his character. But that's probably the motivation in him while he was walking here on this earth. That I want to actually love my father. And that's the first commandment. 
And the second is probably the second reason why he wanted to follow through in fleeing from temptation, that he might love his neighbor. And as I was studying this, I was going, those two commandments Jesus left for us. Could those two commandments be the cheat code for purity? To love God and love my neighbor? Could those two commandments be the cheat code for all of hope and joy and peace and love? That I would love God and love my neighbor? In 2 Corinthians 5.21 it says, For our sake... Jesus made, or God made Jesus to be sin who knew no sin so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. He loved us. He fulfilled that second commandment perfectly. And like Ephesians 5.1, we are called to imitate Him. This helps us walk through the temptations. To be pure as Jesus was pure. See, we have Jesus' sympathy and his purity, both strengthening our confession of him being the great high priest, the one who passed through the heavens and the very Son of God. And you gotta ask then, why? Why Now what do we do? Now what do we do? And that's the third point, is draw near to Jesus. Our confession is because of the great high priest passing through the heavens. He's the Son of God. How is He doing this? Well, through sympathy and purity. And so let's draw near to Him. Let's draw near to Him. Look at verse 16. It says, Let us then with confidence draw near, which is another word of approach. Approach the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now I want to do something uh, some of you like when I did this. I'm going to steal the screens for a moment. Hopefully it works. It's doing this right now. There it is. Entertainment room. We good? All right. Let me make this. Oh, wow. Can I make that bigger? What if I did that? Oh, yeah. There we go. I'm so techy. I feel like really smart when tech stuff works. And I have no idea how it's working right now, but it's working. But you can see the text on there and it looks similar to the back of your bulletin. So let's unpack this really quickly. All right, and then we'll close and pray and eat some amazing brownies. Thank you, Sarah Comb. Those are gifts from heaven. All right, so look at this again. This is just me studying the word of God again. Let's study it together since then. What sweet language then. That is pointing back to verses 12 through 13, which we saw last week is the word and the Lord. Since then, because we have Jesus, we have, which is such a promise. Since then, the word of God, we have a promise. We have a promise of what? We have the great high priest who has passed through the heavens, who is Jesus, the Son of God. The great high priest is Jesus, who Jesus has passed through the heavens. Jesus, this is why the Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, the Son of God. 
This is what we have now. This is why we hold fast to our confession, these things. This is why. For, again, pointing backwards, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize. Here's our word, sympathize with our weaknesses. Now this is like the negative form, but it's actually moving to the word positive form, right? So this is sympath. He is our sympathetic high priest. And he's, but we have one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. There's the purity. So let us then, again, you can see this together. You've got let us twice now. So you can connect those. Let us hold fast our confession. Let us draw near, which is approach. Let's approach with confidence to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy, find grace in time of need. So three things we get. So circle this little with, the to, and the that. This with is like how. How do we draw near? How do we approach? Well, we approach with confidence. This is how we do it. With confidence. And this should remind us of back in 3.6 when we're studying this amazing text of Scripture. In 3.6 reads this. I don't have it memorized. It says, But Christ is faithful. My book is so colored up here. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. And we are his house if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boast and our hope. Our confession is that we hold fast to our confidence, our hope, our boast and our hope in him. So this confidence is this. Three, six, there's confidence, our boast and our hope in Jesus. This is our confidence and our confession back to here again as well. The two there, so that's the with, with confidence we draw in. The two is where, where do we go? Well, we go to the throne of grace. This is where we go to. And then the that we is why. Why do we do this? Why do we draw to the throne of grace? Why do we do these things? Well, we, because we will receive mercy we will find grace in the time of need. Do you see how sweet this amazing text is? Let me do it this with this fancy little pointer here. So since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, who is Jesus, the Son of God. Let us now, friends, hold fast our confession. For we do not have one that is unsympathetic, but we have one that is sympathizes with our weaknesses that in every respect he has come to become man. He has been tempted as we have been tempted, and he is without sin. He is fully pure, and he is sympathetic for us. So let us now draw near with confidence to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy, grace, and help in the time of need. This is who our Jesus is. He has passed through the heavens that he might die for our sin, pain for us, that we might have hope in him. This is the amazing grace of Jesus Christ. He has passed through the heavens for you and I. That he might become the blood sacrifice for you and I. 
that he now can enter into the throne of grace for you and I. And we're going to see this over and over in Hebrews. Chapter 10 is one of my favorite chapters in Scripture. Because his death on the cross symbolizes the breaking of the curtain so that we can enter in in prayer to God the Father. He becomes the curtain ripped in two so that we can now enter into confidence into Jesus' throne room of grace. Like we're going to see this same text in chapter 10. It is an amazing text, friends. So be joyed as you walk out in fellowship with one another. Challenge each other daily as we see back in chapter 3. Exhort one another daily that we might not walk into sin, but that we might live out love God with all your heart and love others as yourself. Two commandments. The cheat codes for all things. Fulfill those commandments and you fulfilled the all of the law, the Bible says. This is the ultimate cheat code. So let's do that. Let's, let's play. Let's run for Jesus that we might win the eternal prize. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you so much for your amazing grace for us. I thank you for this beautiful, encouraging text of Scripture that you are our great high priest. That you have passed through the heavens that we might now pass through with you into glory. Jesus, that you are the Son of God Almighty. That you own all things. That you have created all things. And that you've created a way that we as sinners can enter into your glory. Thank you for being sympathetic to us by being pure, that we worship a holy God, not a faulty one. Lord, that we can enter in through prayer and receive mercy and grace and help in the time of need. Help us, Lord. Live these things out for the sake of your name, your glory. And I pray this in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. Thank you.